Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Welcome to another episode of Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dave Melton, site manager for Second City Hockey, and I've got my two usual line mates with me here on this Wednesday evening. And first off, it is the analytics darling of Second City Hockey, Shepard Price. I am not nearly as thrilling as Phil the Thrill Kurashev, <laughs> but man, oh man, it was that exciting. I, uh, I'm, I'm most proud of coming up with uh, Filthy Kurashev, spelled P-H-I-L-T-H-Y. Isn't Phil the Thrill, isn't that Phil Kessel? Yes, it is, but I'm I'm going to make the argument from now on that Kurashev deserves it more. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of talks about that goal because, wow, like that's just um, that's as excited as I've been about. Well, we'll save that conversation for later because I, I got so, I've got some thoughts on that about the last time a goal gave me the level of excitement that goal did. But before we get any farther, we've got to also introduce my other line mate this evening, Mil Savage. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. <laughs> Bulls won. Hawks won. They both beat Detroit. Um, I need a better nickname. Yeah, I'm still, I don't know. We, we still have to, uh, we're, we're still workshopping it. Um, <laughs> Sounds that's I'll, uh, fair. I'll have my people get in touch with your people. We'll figure something out and, and uh, I'll get back to you. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. But thanks for tuning into this episode. Uh, you can follow us all, or most of us on Twitter. Shepard's on Twitter, well, kind of sometimes, at Shepard Price. I am at underscore Dave Melton. Mill is at Mill182. You can follow the Second City Hockey main account at 2ND City Hockey. And uh, check out our website, secondcityhockey.com, with plenty of previews and recaps and news, even if just uh, updating about reportedly the Blackhawks going after Russian wingers that are tearing up the KHL right now, but we have all kinds of stuff at the website. And then please, please uh, follow, rate, review, subscribe this podcast wherever it is you get your podcast and any five-star reviews we can get on iTunes would be wildly appreciated. But gentlemen, we are here about an hour after the Blackhawks finished off a two-game sweep of the lowly Red Wings. Monday night, it was a... I think it was three to two victory in overtime. That was meh. And then Wednesday night they win two to nothing in regulation. A uh, little bit another game where maybe the process you, you like the result. Winning is always better than losing. The process may not have been great in terms of possession and how they played, but they got a win, so I, I can't get too upset because they keep winning games. So I, we're not going to go down that road. Let's just talk about Philip Kershev's goal because that sounds like fun. Shepard, Philip Kershev's goal. Go ahead. Yeah. The, so it does not look like a goal a rookie would be able to score because he does right. literally everything right on that goal, including just clearing defensemen, going through him uh, like Moses through the Red Sea. Um and in this case, that's apt because the Detroit Red Wings wear red. Um, also, it's uh, the start of the Lenten season, and I believe that's uh, 
Yeah, there's something in there. My Catholic upbringing yeah. is coming up, but yeah, go ahead. Sorry, yeah, Easter, uh, Easter, Latin, it's all it's all combined. So yeah, perfect time. And then and then deking Jonathan Bernier, who played a otherwise really perfect game out of his out of position, just to, enough to get that goal. And then he's so casual after the fact too. Like he does not celebrate. He's yeah, got like, just the same face on the entire time after that goal. He like he had that look of like the guy that comes out to your beer league that doesn't belong in that beer league and just skates through five people, scores a goal, and goes, Yeah, you know, it's Tuesday. Yeah. See, if if the All-Star game was a thing in the NHL this year, I don't know if it is, and it probably shouldn't be. Yeah, I don't But if it I was, don't I believe would they are. Yeah, I would like to see him in the fastest skater competition. Well, I feel like Hagel might be faster than him just watching every time Hagel's and he got any type of uh, any sort of straightaway attempt. Like he outskated someone for an icing call tonight. That was just visibly way faster than whoever it was he was skating against, but yeah. um, they're both very fast. Yeah. Um, but the thing, the thing with the Kershaw goal, um, and you, you touched on it a little bit, but I didn't notice it at first. And whoever they had on, I think it was Anson Carter mentioned it during the intermission. If you go back and watch that goal right before he actually tucks it through the legs of Bernier, he does like three or four air dangles that I think he got Bernier to commit one way or the other with these air dangles. I can't believe he even like he, and he does this all at full speed. He's just going back and forth over the puck in the air. And then he brings a stick down, pulled it out to the forehand and tucked it through the legs. Like, just a mind blowing moment for a rookie. And I, I tease this at the beginning. And this is what I, the one thing point I wanted to make and Shepard, this I think might've been slightly before you jumped into hockey, but uh, the third game, I think it was the third game of Jonathan Taves' career. He scored the ridiculous goal against Colorado. All right, Mill, I think, you know, <laughs> Sorry. Where I'm going. I was going to talk about this. Okay. Well then I, I will come to you next, but he scored, Taves scored this ridiculous goal in his third game. And you it was kind of this realization of, holy shit, the Blackhawks really have something here. Now, I don't want to go so far as to make a com- uh, comparison between Kershaw and Taves. It's way too far. But when a rookie scores a goal like that, it suggests that there is a very high ceiling of ability within that body. And if he can figure it all out, he's going to be really good. And the fact that he pulled that goal off is just it's it's wildly encouraging. So, Mill, what your reaction? I guess was similar to mine. Okay, so yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but that's what I was going to talk about. Was that that Taves goal never leaves my mind ever? It's just a burned into my brain. Um, they didn't have that game televised, so like the right. when you had to watch right. the replays, it's the Colorado call and the guys screaming, "What a goal! What a move!" You know, and uh, I think he was out with Kane and Rutu for that. And yes. it was it wasn't exactly the same goal, but when Kershev scored, first of all, the, Detroit's terrible. So mm-hmm. the Hawks were cutting through the high slot all night, going to the net. Kane had a nice move in the first period, similarly, but um, they just really, you know, all tried to crash in at once. And he goes around one guy, goes around the next guy, like it's nothing. And I'm just like, oh my god, we got robbed of a Foley call tonight. <laughs> Foley probably would have spilled his white Russian everywhere. Yeah, great. yeah, that would have been that would have been a very enjoyable goal call. I'm actually pulling up the Taves goal as you mentioned it because it's funny he gets in and it's like almost a two on after he he walks by one guy uh, just above the faceoff dot. Uh, it's almost a two on one with Rutu, but then Taves just kind of has well, this look of I'm I I got this, and then and you got to you got to remember too. This is before uh, this is when Savard was a coach. 
Yeah. So, um, I believe, yeah, uh, 07, 08, yeah. So yeah, it was, it was the Savard era. And um, he used Taves differently. So, like, people would always bitch about Taves' production, but it's because Quenville would, was, you know, giving him all the dungeon starts because he's the only guy who could want to draw half the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it Which was. still true. <laughs> still true, yeah. Still, yeah, nothing changes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think... Like there, there have been some like like Kane obviously has had and just an insane number of goals that blew your mind. One goal that always stood out to me was like four or five seasons ago, Richard Ponick scored some ridiculous goal against Pittsburgh, where he like pulled it through his skates, kicked it back to his stick, and then buried one right under the bar. Dick Panic, baby. Yeah, but that was also like five or six seasons into his NHL career. Like he was in his mid twenties, he kind of knew what he was at that point. With Kershev being a rookie. Is is I think that's the thing that is so encouraging about it because it's again it, it suggests that there is a very high offensive potential within him and uh, he's capable of even more than he's done so far. And like I said, he's he's a very young player. He's it's his first uh, NHL season. He's only what fifteen twenty games into it at this point. So he hasn't played a lot either. No. Yeah. He's, no. Did he get Did he get up to ten minutes tonight? Finally. Ten oh seven, there we go. But um, this game, he should have played twenty. Yeah, well, yeah. After after that goal, might as well just let him go. Yeah. Well, he said he said some bigger. Like he had fourteen forty five against the first Detroit game. Uh, Monday night he paid against Columbus. He played a season high fifteen twenty seven. Or excuse me, I was the second highest. He played sixteen fifty against Carolina on February second. So he's it's getting a little better. But Shepard, you sounded like you were going to say something. I'm very much looking forward to when Jonathan Taves comes back and then Kurashev and Kubalik are probably his wings. That's going to be a line that could that be, can oh, do things. They're going to tilt the ice like you won't believe. <laughs> that could be a fun line. Yeah, I, I I, think that's the thing I keep w- with this team. That's the thing I keep in the back of my mind. Ideally, Taves and Doc both come back at some point, probably next season, and they're healthier and all that. But – it's like trying to imagine what this team could look like if you bring back their top two centers. And I feel like it would be a significant, it's going to be, any team is going to improve if you put their top two centers back into the lineup. The question is how much. And I, I it's like, it's entirely a hypothetical thing and we still don't even know what's going on with Tay. So I don't want to go too far down that road, but you know, we talk a lot. I've, I've mentioned a lot about how the process isn't as good as you want it to be. And I don't know if it's going to get that way at any point this season because of the guys they're missing. So the thought is maybe next season when you get these guys back in the lineup, it looks a little bit more – they're a little bit better at five-on-five hockey. And then you can really start talking about having a good team. And I guess one reason why there's so much optimism about this team is because of the guy in net. Uh, Kevin Lankinen had his first career shutout this evening. I think it was 29 saves he made. And Shepard, yep. you mentioned this in your recap that you wrote at secondcityhockey.com. And I wanted you to talk about this a little bit more because um, save for maybe the last 10, five to 10 minutes of the third period when things really got sideways, Detroit didn't have a ton of sustained pressure in this game. And uh, not a lot of didn't seem like a lot of second and third chances. And I guess I wanted you to talk more about give some more specifics on the defensive performance tonight in front of Lankanen. Yeah. So there's a few metrics that are really important here. Um, I mean, the 2.72 expected goals against are always going to stick out, but that's because Detroit just 
heaped shots on net. They weren't very good shots is the thing. They had an average shot distance of 35 feet, which is horrible. Um, they had five uh, high danger shots to 14 low danger shots. Yeah. Uh, what I was going to say was that 272, that was throughout the entire game, right? The that, was throughout the, that was throughout the entire game. That included okay. all three power plays for Detroit. Okay. Because, because I, I remember yeah. looking at the the even strength numbers and the Hawks were like the expected goals column is actually pretty close. It was 1.6 yeah. even strength. And, yeah. Yeah. So at five on five, they were, they were okay. Not bad. Yeah. They were, they were okay. I mean, the Blackhawks themselves offensively did not perform great, just two high danger chances all game, but they limited Detroit just six across uh, five, uh, across five on five. Um, And again, they mostly kept them to the outside and far away. And they made Kevin Lankinen's Kevin Lankinen's job and life a lot easier tonight. And, And that's where like, I think it's a there's like an element of confirmation bias right here because if like it's one thing like the Blackhawks played good defense it sounds like and they they limited Detroit's opportunities they didn't let them get second and third chances which kind of helped we're not going to get this first career shutout but on the other hand it was against Detroit who's just not a good team so it's like you can take the optimist uh, the optimist side of it and say the Blackhawks played good defense and prevented all these chances or you can take the pessimistic side and say well it was against a shitty team so who cares but I don't know Mill what I don't know where you fall in either of those uh, mindsets well first off you're absolutely right Detroit is terrible let's not <laughs> well, yeah let's, I mean let's not I, forget this that the Red Wings are really bad and, I, I think love, it bears I, mentioning as much as possible. Yeah, I love it. But, like, here's the issue. There, this is a weird year with the schedule, and this is the fourth time already they've played each other. So the book is out on what this what teams look like. They know it by now. Mm-hmm. And it was not a good game in general. Like, I'm not saying the Hawks didn't play terrible, but, like, it, it, you know, uh, not a lot of, you know, a lot of power play chances, a lot of penalties between both teams. It was a pretty sloppy game. The the z- exits and entries of both zones were kind of sloppy. And it's just, if they're going to continue to win like this, it's fun for us to know they are not going to get their ass beat every game. But mm-hmm. if, if you make the playoffs because of this, and then they go, oh, we're good going forward, and we have our two centers coming back, it's like, well... I think you're in for a rude awakening when you, this coach has to roll against a bunch of good teams in an 82 game season. Yeah. I think that's very much the question surrounding this whole team is, and then I think that's why I keep coming back to the process. Like, I mean, no one's calling them like, even if they somehow squeak into the playoffs this year, which is going to feel like a long shot, especially with the way you have Tampa, Florida and Carolina seem like they're going to run away with playoff spots. And then, maybe between them, Columbus and Dallas, maybe those are the three teams that compete for it. Even if they luck into the playoffs, they'll probably get smoked by Tampa in the first round. And that's fine. Like if the Blackhawks played well enough to get to a playoff spot, that's miles ahead of where we thought they were going to be at the start of the season. But then if they take, you know, if they're only get there because they're propped up by the goaltending and the power play and their five on five play remains shitty. And you know, Taves and Dot come back next season and the five on five product does not improve, then you're really in trouble because you you've committed to you, you the the product is not improving at all overall. It's just kind of lucking it wins and then if next season the power play sucks, then we're really gonna have some issues. Yeah, exactly. This power but, play is driving play insane. Yeah, and they're also I mean they've won 
so many games in overtime. Like they, they have tonight was their fifth regulation win out of the nine they have. So, you know, I, I, I guess what the, the overall point I'm trying to make with this team is like, like enjoy the wins. Absolutely. I got, don't get me wrong. Like, the Kershaw goal tonight, like, Mill, I saw you mention you almost fell off your couch. I jumped out of my seat. Like, that was – and just – it was fun watching the entire Twitter timeline explode into all caps and exclamation points after that goal. Like, that's fun. Those are things that we haven't had much of the last two or three seasons. But understand what you're watching. Like, it's still not – it's nowhere near a finished product. There's a lot of room for improvement. And maybe – I think the hope that I have is that maybe you get to April – maybe those that week or two of games in May, and maybe there's, there's signs that they're starting to progress in the five on five product. Uh, you know, right now, like ride the goaltending, ride the power play, whatever. But if I'd really, if I wanted to take something encouraging out of the season now, like I think the bar is higher than it was back in early January. Now it's, you want to see some improvement of the guys on the ice. Um, you want to see improvement at five on five play. That'll suggest this team is going to be, better in the long term when they get their other injured players back. Something yeah, I want go ahead. I was going to say uh, to touch on doc coming back though, you know, it concerned me a little bit seeing him on TV the other night on that. They had those Valentine's ads or whatever. And he had like a full blown cast on. It wasn't like his wrist was wrapped up <laughs> and well, it's you know, Tyler Johnson's a good example of a guy who broke his wrist and then lost a lot of that in the dot, things like that. Yeah, I mean, so, he's still Doc's. What? Still nineteen, right? He's still yeah. Like, oh, he's so. still going to develop and be a good player. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know as far as the possession, five on five, winning draws, stuff like that. It's a little concerning when someone cracks their wrist like that. No, I mean, he was still yeah, learning when he le- when he got hurt, though. Is yeah. a good thing. It's it's not ideal. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. I mean, no, nothing about that situation is is ideal, and I think it's terrible. Even. <laughs> He just turned 20 uh, on January 21st. So, God, he was born in 2001. Holy shit, we're old. I'm dead uh, Royal Rumble. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, ideally he's on the ice and playing. So, And anytime a guy has a big injury like that, you're worried about recovering fully and not losing the ability that made him a number three overall pick. But I, I that's – that's another thing we can worry about next year. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to, we're trying to stay in the moment, Mel, trying not to get too upset with ourselves. And I also worry less. I worry less about a kid who's still got probably teenage hormones going. Yeah. Don't you remember uh, being 20 years old and healing all the time, Mel? Yeah. <laughs> I don't that's, remember. It's going to be a lot easier for him. I drank too much during that era to remember, but um, <laughs> I, you know what? I I think once he grows into his body, he will be a beast, like even more so. I mean, he should never lose a board battle once he's like 22. But like, it's just one of those things where you're like, man, that like getting, you know, right wrist. It's like, oh, that's, that sucks. Yeah. And while we're on the topic of Blackhawks top 10 picks, uh, we should also mention that Adam Boquist returned to the lineup this evening. I'm trying to find his ice time because I don't think he played a ton. Uh, the Blackhawks went back to that 11 Ford 70 approach, which is, I guess, fine if that's what you're with. Uh, I if I'm have this sorted correctly, natural stat trick has him at 557. That's, no, that's got to be incorrect. I must have. He, some- he played at least like two, uh, three minutes on the power play. 
It was yeah. like three twenty eight on the power play. He, I had him at twelve in the recap. Twelve plus. Okay, then that, yeah. that I'm like I maybe it hasn't updated or whatever, but I I didn't think that was correct as I was saying it out loud. But I don't know. I I mean, uh, Shepard, you wrote the recap, so I know you were. This was something fresh in your mind. What did you? Anything that you saw or stood out? He played. Excuse me. I found it. He played twelve fifty this evening. But yeah. Shepard, any thoughts on Boquist? He had two high danger chances, uh, and neither of them were in his role on the power play, where we were sort of playing up and a more forwardish role. Mm-hmm. It was at five on five, which is wild. Because I thought it was defenseman. Di- wasn't it during four on four play? He jumped up. It might have been and had that yeah. backhand shot. Yeah. It might have been because defensemen don't usually do high danger chances. I mean, they have done it recently for the Blackhawks because Ian Mitchell's goal was high danger and Nicholas Bodan's goal mm-hmm. was high danger in that right. game. Um, but it's two high danger chances in a game is wild for a defenseman. Well, that's, that's what he's supposed to do. So I, I, yeah, exactly. I think that's one of my concerns with him. Uh, well, concerns is maybe strong word, but I wanted to see like, I want to see him do something cool, essentially, you know, maybe not quite a Kershev level goal, but, you know, watch him like skate through two or three people in the zone and set up a really good chance or, or take the opportunity himself. Even if he doesn't score, just something that just flashed that offensive ability that he did when he was, that got him drafted and he displayed while he's playing in the OHL with London. And I think, you know, getting that scoring chance today was one of those flashes of the ability that he has. So hopefully you see more of that over the rest of the season because that's another guy that, uh, again, has seems like he has a lot of potential. Seems like he has a very high ceiling, and is a guy the Blackhawks are going to need to develop if they're going to get this rebuild, retool, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, on the rails. Yeah, I'd like to see him not defer as much. I think that was a good start tonight. Right. I yeah. mean, he could walk the blue line like crazy, and they haven't had a guy like that in a long time. But it's almost like they stifled him into, like, don't shoot, and I, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I think that I don't – that could be a coaching thing. It could also be him just being – just having the gun-shy nature of a young player where sometimes they don't – they're trying to set themselves up for the perfect opportunity instead of just taking the opportunities that are presented to them. So the one thing that surprised me is I was going through uh, some of the – numbers at a uh, natural stat trick today. He's actually one of the better Blackhawks players with all the possession numbers. Like he's top three or four or five in court in the Corsi numbers, uh, shot share, expected goals, high danger percentage, all that stuff. He's up there, which I was, and his offensive zone starts aren't like egregiously high. I think he was around 60 or so. So that was encouraging. Cause I didn't know that about him. What's his Fenwick? <laughs> That's actually one of the least important stats. Uh, <laughs> wow. Versus, of course, wow. or, or yeah, expected goals. No, I'm just, sure. I'm just joking. But in all seriousness, no, it's nice to see the guy. And the guy, like I said, the guy can just move out there. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, he should, he's an optimal quarterback for a power play. But Shepard, you didn't like where they put him on the power play. If I remember correctly. Yeah. He's a quarterback and they sort of made him a forward which is a wild take because defensemen are not forwards, and that's sort of why they become defensemen. Um, yeah, it's, it's like the Tom Brady trying to catch the pass in the Super Bowl thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Only Nick, only Nick Foles can do that. Oh, right, we don't have Nick oh, Foles. Jesus. That's Marion Hosa. He's gone. Yeah, exactly. 
but know. yeah, putting him putting him at like the middle is sort of where they put him, and he's not. He, I saw him go near the net and, so, and sort of act like a high danger threat, and that's that was wild. He's not. He's not the guy that he's. He's the guy like directly right in the middle of like in the center slot, right? Like in in the one three one, he is the guy in the middle of all five players. Correct. That's yes, where but but that's also like that means there's nobody in front of the net, which means like somewhat becomes a focused job, which is another like. Well, yeah, they it, they messed that up when they when Shaw got hurt because he was playing the sideboard and then sliding into for the, in front of the net. He was doing the Taves thing. Right. And there's, I think there's, there is guys who can do that besides yeah, totally. Shaw on this team. They were, they were totally. having Soderbergh in front of the net. And <laughs> in the first game that he, that they put Soderbergh in that role, I think Kane scored a power play goal with Soderbergh screening the goalie perfectly because Soderbergh yeah. is like 6'3. He's huge. And Soderbergh has played a lot of power play time over the last few seasons. It's true. And he's, he's, he's big, but he's not very fast. So that's actually kind of a perfect role for him because. He can get there and just stay there, and he's six three two ten, so it's difficult for guys to move him. Um, but if you want him like flying around the zone elsewhere, you know it's not really, not really his thing. He's got to be more than two ten. Well, the, that's what is you know maybe in pads he's two twenty. Eh, how fair? <laughs> we got to get him up to Anisimov levels. <laughs> well. Uh, I, I'm sure there's plenty of fine dining options in Chicago now available to him if he wanted to <laughs> pack on a few more pounds. Or just power squats. <laughs> or just power squats, yeah. That'll work too. Um, well, gentlemen, I think that's going to – I didn't have many other burning thoughts from the two games. I mean, uh, against Detroit, like, you know, they won. Um, nothing to get – other than the Kurashev goal, nothing to get too wildly excited about. Um, the process can still improve, but – they're still winning, so I can't hate things too much. Um, uh, I know it was a while ago that they happened, but the two Columbus games last Thursday and Saturday. Either, any burning thoughts about any of those? I I barely I barely even remember those games. I know the Thursday night game was a disaster uh, that they lost six to five and got out possessed as bad as they have in about seven years. I think when I looked it up, and then they won a three to two game in overtime on Saturday. So. And anything that stood out for you two guys about those games? Yeah, the breakouts is, I think, on pace for like a 40-goal season over 82 games, and he's just having a season. That's that's one guy that, like, I remember when he broke, uh, had his breakout 30-goal season, and, you know, he's a little bit smaller, but a right-handed shot that scored 30 goals, your immediate thought was Patrick Sharp because that's was you know that was Sharp's thing, right-handed shot scored 30, scored usually in the 30s. Um, and then to bring it scored the 40 goal season. And I feel like calling him or making Patrick Sharp, Patrick Sharp, excuse me, the best comp for him. I, I think that's underselling it. Like I think the Brinkett might have a higher offensive ceiling. And he also like, he's had a few back checks and stick lifts and swipes of the puck that were very, dare I say, Hosa esque. Yeah, I think, I think he's, he's definitely like one of the best players under, five nine or so and he's on <laughs> he's, he's on that that's what six guys <laughs> yeah he's on that line with Braden point and like maybe he, Kyler Yamamoto he is one, one of the best players in the NHL that's from Farmington Hills Michigan for sure he is when I sure. when I finally write the article about what Mighty Ducks players they are he's going to be Ken Wu um <laughs> but uh 
you know, the, the Brinkett sharp comparison is pretty, pretty much there. Cause it's kind of like, he's not as fast as sharp, but if you hit his stick, he's going to put it in. Like he's got to receive the pass. And the couple of times he couldn't settle it. Everyone's all bummed out, but that's a lot of times bad ice like in Dallas. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the guy's on a tear. You guys are also right. And then the other thing about Columbus is uh Tortorella went with a uh, quarter zip blazer combo. He kind of looked like a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> like who does that? Tortorella, apparently. Um, I, <laughs> well, apparently, it, it sounds like some of the reports out there, he's just doing whatever he can to get fired. So that I, might be a fun subplot to watch the season is just to see what Tortorella does next. Just standing down there behind the bench yelling, I'm going to do whatever I want. I dare you to fire me. Well, yeah, he's got one line, and both guys are going to leave in the offseason. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. He's got one line and one pair. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh boy, there's there's a lot. One line, one pair. But yeah, no. One one line, one pair. No hope. Um, the uh, the Patrick I, Sharp comparisons do sort of undersell the Brinkat, but there's no like forty goal scorer in my memory of the Blackhawks. Well, yeah, like, to compare him to. Yeah, like he's, he's not, not Kane. Yeah, he's, he's not, not Patrick Kane. Kane. He's he's yeah, he doesn't have like quite the playmaking ability of Kane, and I don't know if Panarin ever got up to forty in Chicago, but I don't think he's Panarin. I don't, I don't know if he's that either. Yeah, he's he's setting the mold for himself. And he added an empty netter tonight, so he's up to nine goals in 14 games. If you project that over an 82-game season, that is 52.7 goals. Shit. So, yeah, that's, that's not bad. No. Yeah. All right, well, so, I think we can put a bow on this part of the podcast and uh, come back on the other side of this and look ahead to next week's games and – Probably have better food takes than we did last week because I think somebody other than me is going to come up with one. So uh, come on back on the other side of this timeout and see what that's all about. This is Advertiser Content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to frito No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome back to Musings on Madison here on the Second City Hockey Podcast Network. And as uh, promised before the break, wanted to touch on a few other things before we get out of here. One of the th- uh, items that broke on Wednesday and I'm probably going to say this name wrong, so I'm going to apologize in advance, but the Blackhawks are reportedly interested in another Russian winger whose name is Demir Zafyarov, I think. Uh, forgive me if I said that wrong. Uh, the name of his team is Torpedo Nizhny. So, <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah, uh, that great, team name, great team name, which, by the way, damn the Torpedoes, best boat in Hydro Thunder by a mile. Um, but... 
yeah, Zafirov is he turns 27 in March. He's third in the KHL in scoring right now. And Mill and Shepard, I know each of you guys have burning KHL thoughts. Uh, but just really quickly, allegedly Detroit is after him as well because, of course, um, uh, Russians in Detroit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know how much else to say about him. Like, there's, it was kind of a my KHL radar is obviously not functioning so well um, and never really has. So I really don't know much about this guy. Uh, I will say it's, if you look a few of his, um, he's played in some international games for Russia and he obviously has his team in the KHL every now and then he's wearing number 88. And I don't think that's such a coincidence because he has a very offensive minded game. Uh, There's a few goal highlights up at secondcityhockey.com on the article. Uh, he scores one uh, one of these goals. He scores one handed. Another goal, he just literally skates circles around his opponents and then ends up burying one right under the bar. So definitely some skill there. Uh, I have no idea if he's going to sign with the Blackhawks or not. Uh, even if he does sign, he probably wouldn't be eligible until next season. But uh, we do know how well the Blackhawks have done with a urine and Russian, a European and Russian imports lately. So, uh, Mill Shepard, you're burning KHL thoughts. Uh, if the European scouting department of the Chicago Blackhawks likes him, then I like him. Uh, and also, fun fact, he was a former teammate of uh, Scott Powers at the Athletics' favorite player, Max Shalinov. So ah, there, there it is. It's it's actually the long con. They really just want Shalinov to show up, and they're going to get this guy to come with uh, as a deal. It's like the uh, Hosa-Kopetsky thing where they signed Hosa, but they also brought in Kopetsky just because that was Hosa's buddy. So. The thing they should have done with Shipachayov and Panarin, where they brought both in uh, and formed a line with them. Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. And then who would they have traded the other guy for after uh, they were unable to afford him, too? Uh, hey, scored in game one of the final. He did. <laughs> Fresh out of the box, right? Everybody scored in that fucking <laughs> yeah. game, though. Yeah. Oh. Um, KHL thoughts for me are simply like Shepard said, if he's European and they like him, bring him over. Um, while I'd prefer some, uh, like one of my countrymen, like a Jack Rosovich, so I can bring my big Serbian flag to drape over section 329. Uh, that probably won't happen. So sure. Bring over more Russians. <laughs> Who what is the hurt? best Serbian hockey player? I don't know, Probably me. They don't play over there. <laughs> All right. I can skate at least. Like, I don't know if they can, <laughs> they don't have rinks yet. They just got a golf course. I, I, I'm aware they're playing baseball in Serbia. It's not exactly widespread, but they're, they're all big. So like, they're all going to look like those, like Zadorov or something. They're better off with basketball. <laughs> that's true. And that's um, entirely the dream team's fault. Um, like I'm the shortest person in my family and I'm six feet tall. So it must be nice. And it's weird. <laughs> um, so yeah, so there's our burning KHL thoughts for everyone that was uh, really, really looking forward to those. And then oh, the other thing, I forgot to mention this during our, uh, our earlier segment, but uh, did you know that Kevin Lankinen has more points than Alexis Lafreniere right now? Not, the, not, not quite the rookie's points leader, but he's doing great. He scored two points, which is yeah. wild for a goalie. Lafreniere has played 14 games and he has one goal for the Rangers. Dude, all these guys getting Lafreniere and whoever else, they all get the only guy who's worth the shit is McDavid right now. For and Matthews, all these number one picks. Yeah. And Connor McDavid scored his 500th career point, which in 300 some games. Yeah. Start. I'm not going to lie though. Starting to feel like empty calories for me. Well, yeah, he plays in Edmonton. <laughs> it's just like, I, I'm still amazed by him and the things he can do. And he's, I don't think uh, there's still some argument out there, but I think he's the best hockey player in the world, but 
they need to save him from Edmonton pretty soon because Edmonton is just, oof. Yeah, I think we all thought it was going to be a bit like the Sidney Crosby thing where they were shitty, but they had everybody in the system. So then they built to a great team. Mm-hmm. And at, at, besides Drysidle, he has nobody. Right. It's, right, especially with Clef, with Clefbaum hurt. Yeah, I, I mean, you had they had four number one picks in a decade and just nothing. I mean, we they have like David, but you should have a dynasty you get four number one picks in a decade. I mean, they this just, is, to, be, to be fair, they brought in Peter Chiarelli and he just ruined it. So, well, that's, well, now we know the moral of that story. Do not hire <laughs> Peter Chiarelli. And I have like nothing like for or against Edmonton. Like I'm so indifferent about them, but it's just like, how do you fuck that up? By trading like, Taylor sorry. Hall for Adam Larson. Oh, that <laughs> that's, was so, that's exactly how, Mill. Yeah. Shepard just told bru- <laughs> That was brutal. That was like one of the worst trades in recent history. Can you imagine how good Taylor Hall would be on Connor McDavid's wing? Dude, Taylor Hall was good everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. Like even even though New Jersey sucks, he he won the fucking MVP. It's like I I just and I'm sorry, like I'm going off on a tangent, but it's just I don't That's understand. Right. I'm I'm entertained. I just don't how to understand. Like you, they had so many first like first overall picks. Like, they're good players too. They're not Lafreniere or whatever. They're like all good players. Yeah. <laughs> And what did they get for Everly? Because they traded Everly too, and they got uh, nothing for him. You know, they, like I, I want to. I think part of like the appeal of sports is that you think the people in the front offices and all that are really intelligent, and really know their what they're doing, and and have like a reason <laughs> that position. Every now and then, you see shit that happens. It's only hockey. Like every now and then, things seem to happen. They traded Everly for Ryan Strom, by the way, but. Yeah, exactly. Every now and then something happens in hockey. You're like, what the fuck are these guys doing? Hockey is so stupid. Yeah, it's, it is, I, man, I, I'm not saying I would be good at the job, but I'm telling you, I might not be much worse. I would well, not be I the mean, worst at NHL GM. <laughs> so, I mean, like, it, it's like the coaches are like that too. It's like a cycle. It's a circus where they just cycle through different teams. Mm-hmm. Which is why when they Blackhawks hired Jeremy Calton, I was kind of happy that they went outside the box for someone different. Like, all right, well, at least I can, I can, uh, I can entertain that. They didn't just hire, you know, a, a retread from the mid two thousands for no reason. But, yeah, but like now we're all like, oh, we should have got Love You Letter <laughs> or whoever, just because they have a system. <laughs> yeah, so. Yes, I mean they're they're. I would like them to go outside the box again after Jeremy Colleton, but they're not going to do it. They're going to absolutely go with the retread. Oh, they're going to promote Mark Crawford. There's no, no doubt, doubt in my mind that if they ever let Carlton go, Mark Mid-season. Crawford is the next guy. I and I don't know if if he's the full time, long term guy though. I think he might be a mid term. Yeah, solution. but uh, no, yeah, he'll yeah. he'll be there when Carlton gets fired. But then they're going to shove the '96 uh, abs up our ass because him and Quenville were both there. It's like, yeah, but nobody was going to lose with Waugh and Sackick in that roster. Like, yeah, right. That's and not the Hawks right now. Yeah, the whole that night. You know, it's like, come on, give me a break. All right, well, now that we've completed our mid-90s hockey flashback, I think we need to shift to our food take for the week after my uh, botched handoff from last week where I just suggested that <laughs> a delicious dessert treat known as Poonchkies are good. Um, <laughs> where I've been sending you memes all week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I, like, I, I feel like I was getting heckled by every grocery store I went to for the last week because there were just boxes of them everywhere, mountains of them, because that's what happens in this area 
around the start of Lent. I didn't go anywhere today, so I don't know if they're still out. But uh, I guess it's Shepherd's turn today. So Shepherd, uh, lay some food thoughts on us. All right, it's a two pronged approach. <clears throat> oh, okay. Can we eat e- pongs? Yes, in okay. every situ in every situation, without exception, dark chocolate is better than milk chocolate. Ooh. The second prong, second prong of this is, except for white chocolate macadamia cookies, where the macadamia nut is the star, white chocolate, I could do without. I would, I would not mind if it didn't exist. So you offered one thing that was an absolute, and then you contradicted it in the next sentence. No, I didn't contradict it because there's three types of chocolate, and I mentioned each of them. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so what you're saying is there's a time and place for all. Well, no, it sounds like there's only time and place for two. There's a time and place for dark chocolate, and then the white chocolate has its situation. Yes, it has. What a about, all right, then what about milk chocolate? I honestly, it's for kids, and that's probably oh, it. Wow. Okay. It's to get them used to chocolate, and then they, then you then you start experimenting with the good stuff. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we're so that, talking about food. out of context that's a bit you know <laughs> yeah, <I'm> like, <laughs> clip, that, clip that for us please <laughs> yes sir um, all right uh mill mill your reaction to shepherd's chocolate rules so i'm I'm mostly indifferent on milk versus dark because i like both fine but i'm when it comes to like sweets i'm more of like a fruit sweet and sour like type of candy person Okay. Not okay. as not as much chocolate. I like chocolate, but like I can't eat too much of it. I like both, but my favorite is white chocolate. Um, Hershey's like cookies and cream, or like the Kisses that have the sugar cookie flavor, and they're just white chocolate. Like I can eat a whole bowl of that. Um, so I think it's just something with my palate and like the darker uh, candies. I can't do as much. Like I had some dark chocolate today on some mint bark, and it was really good. Okay. Yeah. See, my I I I can support much of what you said because like um i like dark chocolate is very good and I, i've grown to appreciate it much more as i've gotten grown up and food palette matures and all that i still think like if you're doing large quantities so if you're eating more chocolate than you need to i think dark chocolate can get overwhelming so that's why i we were just you mentioned this earlier in our slack chat so i i this is i was able to rehearse this earlier and i'm glad because otherwise i would have said something is just as dumb as i did last week but the idea was that dark chocolate is better in small doses smaller quantities you get better quality out of it but if you're if you got a higher quantity and i i don't know where to draw this line but if you've got a higher quantity you want to go for milk chocolate like a whole bar maybe but if you're if you're eating a whole bar don't do that yeah like if you're eating like a like my thought was like a nestle crunch bar it's just the standard one not the king size like yes if that was dark chocolate that would be too much but i would like like to experience that as dark chocolate though because i don't think they have a version of that i don't i don't know if they do but that like aren't mr good bars dark chocolate and peanuts maybe and those are good you know what i think though the the way that the way they make milk chocolate, it's meant to be palatable with other things like peanut butter and nougat and stuff. And they but make you it can, like, but dude, dark chocolate works with those things too. Like dark chocolate no, no, no. caramel is easier, is easily I, better than milk chocolate. Caramel. I'm not saying I'm not disagreeing with you, but it's the whole idea is to get people addicted to buy more products. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that's it's a problem like, to me. <laughs> but it's like to me, it's like if you're gonna dip some strawberries and some dark chocolate and have a glass of wine, like I'm all for that. But oh man, you know, we're even classy. 
Well, no, we're just we're just drinking. <laughs> right, but, but now 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 we're talking about like how dark chocolate is classy and how dark chocolate is is like healthy is also healthier for you. It's not addictive. It's not addictive. It's got nutritional benefits. I think dark chocolate is just plain yeah, better. I'm just it's saying. got more sex appeal. <laughs> yeah. We're throwing speaking of sex appeal, the best dark chocolate concoction i've had is the bare naked i think it's dark chocolate and strawberry granola thing that they have mm, yeah yeah those are yeah. good yeah fan yeah that's good stuff so um all right i i, I got nothing else I, th- I think i've exhausted all of my chocolate takes any anything else? oh i just will say the uh now that we keep talking about chocolate i have stuck in my head the tag team geico commercial chocolate chocolate oh dude yeah such that's that's the best ad on TV. Every time it comes on TV, that commercial makes puts a smile on my face. Every the, the dude starts dancing, and his girlfriend or whatever just gets pissed and walks away. <laughs> yeah, or it, it's his, it's the daughter walks in. The the dad walks in with the daughter. The dad and the mom start dancing. The daughter just yeah. I don't really know who's playing. Who. I just know it's tag team and it's sick. Yeah, we love that. Yeah, love to see it. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I I think uh, I think we've covered all the all the usual angles and everything else. Um, I mean, we could talk about the games next week, but you know, play better win. you know, there you go. <laughs> any, any other thought, any other thoughts on chocolate or the Blackhawks or Demir Zafirov? Uh, the Blackhawks power play is dark chocolate and the Blackhawks five on five play is milk chocolate. Wow. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> it's true. They're one of the worst teams at five on five this year. I mean, the Blackhawks penalty kill is like that uh, cookies and cream ice cream you get in the 100 level in the waffle cone. So I think it's Superman. It's good in qualities, but you need to like control how much quantity you have. Oh, of it. Superman ice cream. Oh, man. Yeah, too much, though. Is... Yeah, exactly. Don't put them on ice eight times. <laughs> but put them on ice three times and they'll kill off all the penalties. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good note to end on. Yeah. The Blackhawks power play or is it power play or the penalty kill? Penalty kills Superman. Uh, penalty kills Superman ice cream. Got yep. it. I'm sure by the end of the season, we will have every aspect of this team narrowed down to an ice cream flavor. Yes. So uh, so you guys can get to work on that. And uh, keep an eye out for that article at Second City Hockey. I'm sure it's going to appear at some point. Um, but thank you very much for listening to this episode. Uh, you can, again, uh, visit the website, secondcityhockey.com, for all the Blackhawks news. Uh, follow us all on Twitter. Mills at Mill182. I am at underscore Dave Melton. Shepard is at Shepard Price. Uh, the main account is 2ND City Hockey. Stay tuned to these airways where we're going to have our, our midweek, usually Musings on Madison's episodes. Shepard has revived the Monday morning deep dishes where they're going to go more on a individual topic and dive deeper into that. Which, by the way, Shepard, I'm, I'm appreciating that you're telling everyone I played hockey and now people are thinking that maybe I played like in college or high school instead of just being a really like mediocre beer leaguer for my entire life. So thank you for that. You have played hockey. That's, uh, I, I, that's the level that is in my mind. I have not played hockey. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I've played hockey in the sense that, um, I don't know. Yeah, I, they're, they're just, yeah. <laughs> you still might get traded for Taylor Hall. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, and then uh, again, secondcityhockey.com is where we find all our stuff, all our podcasts. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, wherever it is you get your podcasts. We very much appreciate any five-star reviews we can get. 
And uh, yeah, just hang around. We uh, the Blackhawks are kind of fun, so, and we're gonna try have as much fun with it. Even if they start to look like shit, we'll still try and have fun with it. Um, so hopefully, we'll see all you back here at, on these airwaves next week. But for Mill, for Shepard, I'm Dave. Thanks again for listening, and as always, go Hawks. Da, da, da.